Warning, this podcast contains no journalistic integrity. Welcome to the Gentleman's Soapbox. going to start off today with a little bit of listener feedback. I did pose a question regarding unions uh, for the last cast, and I did get an email response back from our faithful listener and constant contributor, Yepix. Now, those of you who have uh, listened to some of the stuff we've gotten from Yepix will not be surprised that his response was a little bit on what we on the left-leaning side and he is extremely pro-union. And his statement basically came down to whatever it takes to let the unions represent people against the corporations. And I see where he's coming from, and I won't argue with that statement, but I am going to add a follow-up question. And the follow-up question is, at what point do the union does a, a particular union, any given union, become a large enough and bureaucratic enough entity that it is no better or worse than said evil corporation? Yeah, and that's really the trick to it, too, because uh, I, I mean, union, the idea of unions is absolutely required. I, well, I think it, there's, there has does, to be a check and balance there. When a union does what a union is supposed to do, it's a wonderful thing. But at, Absolutely. At, at what point does it become too large for its own good? Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the real trick of it. Right. Because it's a uh, it, it's a a a fine line between, you know, protecting the workers and then the union becomes its own separate entity and becomes not a protection for the people that it's for, but becomes a third party. You know, player three has entered the game and you see it all the time. Well, as, as we've discussed unions before, I've said that my main experience with unions came from the Teamsters Union. And I will say very much so. And I've been on both sides of the experience with them. I've been a member and I've been part of the corporation in which they served. Um, And what I will say is that my own personal experience with that large union, that the union no longer exists to serve the worker, it it exists to serve itself. Mm. Yeah, maybe. I mean, and as I said, I'm not saying that's all unions. I'm saying that union. (laughs) Yeah. But but see, and the thing is, is that I and I can't even hate them for it because – once again, they've become such a large bureaucratic organization that it really has no choice but to exist in that fashion. So. It may. It may. I, I don't know. And I don't have enough experiences personally with a union. I, I can only go by with what I've seen and all that. But, um, you know, the idea of them, I think, is absolutely necessary because people need them. Um but once they get big enough, and in practice, once they get big enough, um, they sometimes become a huge problem and often a hindrance because now you're really not talking. Now it's it's the union pushing the union just to have weight. And 
it can be an issue. I'm not saying it is all the time, and there are it's, there are excellent unions out there, but I've seen it go the other way too. So I I don't know. Um, but the the question you're saying, Jake, is totally valid. It's like at what point does it become bad? Um, I, I don't. The answer is I don't know. <laughs> Well, and as I said, that's also a question for listeners if anybody wants to jump in and contribute. The other piece of listener contribution we got is I have once again, by my very close friend, been called out on my bullshit. Uh, she's a very close friend of mine. She's very good at doing this. I'm not going to name her because I don't know if she wants to be named on a podcast with such extensive listenership as this one. Um that was a joke, by the way. <laughs> Both of you. <laughs> um, but it, it was kind of interesting. And, and actually, the reason why I wanted to bring it is because I thought it was an interesting point. Uh, she basically said that you and I need to lay off the millennials because at some point they're going to take charge and just lock our asses into a nursing home. And I, my response to that was, yes, and my daughter is going to be leading the charge. Um, well, no, they'd have to pay for it first, and they're not going to do that. <laughs> well, one of the things that she reminded me in the process was she because and I wasn't thinking of her age. She reminded me that she, though, on the older side of millennial is, in fact, a millennial. Uh, and my response to her was very much, no, that can't be possible. You're far too hardworking and industrious to be a millennial. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Well, there's that. Um, <laughs> and you said this woman is a friend of yours, right? Well, that's why I said she's far too hardworking and industrious to be a millennial. That's why I, I thought that was a compliment. Uh, but she did very much bring it to my attention that uh, millennial is a very, very broad uh, concept that you and I are using uh, very loosely. And, and I can't disagree with that. But here's, what my, here's my follow-up to that. Um, whether you want to speak to it in, in terms of millennial, Gen Z, Gen X, Boomer, however you wish to de denote that, there is without question a generational difference um, in the fact of what people are willing to do on a day-to-day -day basis for occupation, work, uh, whatever that may be. I, and the question that gets left around a lot because it's one of perspective is every generation has looked at the generation below theirs and said, y'all are a bunch of lazy bumps. Oh, yeah. The same thing happened to us. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so really, I don't I think what we're dealing with here more than anything else is the fact that the generation gap and, I, and a lot of it is probably due to the quickening pace of technology. The generation gap between our generation and the generation below us is probably larger than any other generation gap in history. Um, because we're not going from who's plowing the field to who else is plowing the field. Yeah. Uh, and so I think the perspectives between the generations then of themselves as to I guess what's expected on a day-to-day -day basis, what, you know, I don't know whether you want to call it entitlement, whether or not you want to call it um, work ethic, any of these things, terms that you want to use, that there is a difference in definition of what that means between these two generations. And I think there's 
you know, and, and we, we've all seen the fact that even generations will change in the way they communicate with each other. We've all seen the joke from our generation of one of our parents trying to go right off, man. And it's kind of like, right, right, right on, right, Dad. Just don't, just, just don't, yeah, don't, don't. And, yeah. and it's and it really is not that different, but it is to a much, much greater degree than it was with our generation and our parents' generation. Boy, yeah, you got that right. Uh, the the and and honestly, and I know that millennials are are. I mean, it's a large group of people. In fact, it's one of the largest ever to have been born. And they do have a wide range of things um, that that they have going on for them. And that's just the way it is. However, as a group, and normally when you, you have people who are super sensitive about being called a millennial and say we're making generalizations, it's because they're an older millennial and they don't want to be identified as a millennial. Um which will probably piss your friend off even more, but it's normally true. They're like, not all millennials are like that. I'm like, you're a millennial, aren't you? Just barely. Like that. It nor the, normally the conversation goes like that, uh, because they they've just taken shit their entire lives, uh, basically. And once they were identified, they've been taking shit their entire lives. So uh, I mean, yeah, they're probably a little sensitive to it. <laughs> I get it. Not going to stop saying it, but I, I totally get it. Well, our, our next little piece of segment is going to go down as a holy shit, Sean was right again statement, which is a the census is now reporting that for the first time in ever that as of 2021, the growth rate of population in the United States has shrunk dramatically. So unfortunately, once again, Sean, you were right. Uh, I was calling that. Now, uh, the global pandemic really didn't hurt that at all, uh, that prediction at all, because uh, people just aren't having kids right now. They're just not. Uh, the people tend to have children, and in large part, people tend to have children when they're more comfortable or they feel safer or they feel hopeful. There is neither safety nor hope going on right now. Um, I'm not saying everybody's, you know, feels that way and that there weren't children born in 2020, 2021. Of course there were. Of course there were. But there were less. And it just goes to show kind of where the headspace is on people today and why they are doing the things that they are doing. And I, I, I hazard a guess, just a guess, that uh, environmental conditions, uh, societal conditions, and money uh, have as much to do with that as relationship issues. But um, for me, the fascinating one is always relationship issues because that, that kind of rolls in everything else with it. Uh, but I... I hate it when I'm right about this stuff. I really do. Cause it means that I'm seeing it accurately. And what I see is not a hopeful scenario. Uh, <laughs> as far as society goes sound like me, damn it. You know, well, you know, it's, I, I think in long term we'll be fine. Right. Technology. I truly believe that technology and space travel will save us as a species, as a society, we may be screwed. All right. But, 
I, I, there's a difference, right? The species will live on. The species will be happy eventually or as happy as we get. Um, the society that we currently lived in or live in could burn down to the ground. Okay. We've gone through many societies. All right. The Greeks had them. The Romans had them. We've had, we've had wait, wait, wait a minute. some stuff. Wait a minute. Are you suggesting that the American society is not the perfect society and it will not go on forever? No, I'm not suggesting it. I'm flat out saying it. <laughs> um, there's no suggesting about it, uh, which is not popular. But uh, in its current form, no, I don't. I don't think it's sustainable. Absolutely not. Um, we have been kind of on this tilt for the last, I don't know, 70, 80 years, and I don't see it correcting itself. I just don't like not without a horrible like crash test dummy video of this is what you shouldn't do because this is what <laughs> they did in the early 21st century. Um, it'll be like that time um, that, that they talk about in, in hushed tones, you know, uh, cause we screwed up so bad. Uh, and this led to a global worldwide, you know, whatever, or, you know, here we see the real height of the U S dominance. And then, just see this line? Yeah, where it looks like it's a cliff. That's yeah, that happened all the soon. So I I I just don't see it sustainable the way we're currently going. I don't know how we could gracefully turn the corner with what we've got going on right now. I just don't. There's nothing in place that makes me say this is going to be a smooth ride. Nothing. Well, well, this is not going. My, the next part of our this segment is not going to help in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> and this is going to be a bit more about the global pandemic with which we find ourselves in today. Uh, our uh, uh, crazy Uncle Joe, uh, creepy Uncle Joe. Which which uncle is he? Is he the creepy one or is he the crazy one? Oh no, I'd say he's crazy. Okay. Crazy Uncle Joe decided to come out before the nation today and declare how we should continue to go forward dealing with the pandemic. And to absolutely no one's surprise, his response was that you should shut up and get vaccinated. <laughs> what? No. Okay. Now, so that brings us back to where we were again. I am, so just so that we're clear, I am not suggesting in any way, shape, or form that the vaccination is bad, that the vaccination shouldn't be done. I am vaccinated. In fact, I am signed up tomorrow morning to go get my booster. However, I, I've been, I've, I listened to a podcast that has a slightly larger listenership to, than ours does. Uh, about a week ago, in which they had a very, very prominent physician on who brought, though it was obviously a very long conversation, brought up something that I ended up having to talk to a bunch of the physicians that I work with about just to see if I was getting the proper impression about it. And really what's been brought up is the vaccinations are wonderful things. No, they don't work for everybody. But the part that we're missing and the part that it's beyond just missing, but we're literally persecuting people for trying to, to accomplish, is how to treat those who actually get it. Um, 
and it's a problem. Uh, and it made sense to me. Well, it made sense to me because, as I said, working in the medical field, one of the things I, I know, not think, not believe, know, is that every human being is different physically, genetically, however you want to look at that. Every medical process on the face of the earth has a certain percentage of people that it's simply not going to work for, which is one of the reasons why there are usually many options on how to deal with any individual sickness, illness, problem, whatever it may be. Vaccination being one of them, but you also need to know how to treat people who come down with whatever sickness it is. And we are completely bereft and avoiding that concept altogether in favor of trying to get everyone vaccinated, which even if every human being stood up and said, yes, please, is not going to work And I'm kind of really at a loss as to why it is that we are refusing to treat the sickness. Uh, because people know they're being lied to on other fronts and they figure that he's lying here, too, which they have done about not only the virus, but the vaccine, how they're dealing with it, what they actually think about it, its efficacy, everything else. They've been lied to. People have been lied to so many times that even the truth smells like bullshit now. Well, I look, I, I can go out. I can give you statements and facts that come specifically and directly from the CDC, the NIH and the FDA. And if I say them on here, there is a certain percentage of population out there that is going to completely freak out and call me a conspiracy theorist. Oh, of course. Now, and, and they are verifiable medical facts, not opinions, not beliefs, objective facts, their own numbers, their own cases, their own information. And... The only thing I'm able to equate this to at the moment is, and it is a little bit of a stretch, so walk with me. Uh, do you remember right before we invaded Iraq for the second time? Mm -hmm. And everything was brought down to weapons of mass destruction? Oh, yeah, so and, quite so. And every piece of information that was out there to be seen um, on in the media said... Oh, my God, look, there's weapons of mass destruction. And all that came down to in the end is because the people in charge were cherry picking what information they wanted to present. Mm, yes, that does sound familiar. Yes, we are experiencing the exact same thing right now. Without question. Oh, no, clearly. And. What's funny is exactly the same thing will happen to all the perpetrators of that, which is nothing. Absolutely nothing. Uh, there, it, it doesn't matter that the tail is wagging the dog. It does not matter. Uh, it does not matter that people are being lied to. What matters is how the government wants to make you feel about it. And, and it's really funny because the interviewer who has a history of being a little bit of a conspiracy theorist himself, or at least perception thereof, um, was trying very hard to kind of come up with a whose fault is this and why. 
And the response that came back was something that I hadn't even considered, but is if you look around, makes you go, okay, it's not a conspiracy. It's pure, total, utter incompetence. Hmm. I don't. I don't know if it can be. The, the oh, reason why he, he said pure, total, utter incompetence is because of you know he he basically went through an entire study on how uh, people would react to a pandemic and basically laid down exactly what it is that we're doing and it came down to uh, more or less a a mass psychological brainwash of themselves to basically kind of focus desperately on one answer and one answer alone and just push forward to that and just be completely blank to any other idea. <laughs> I don't know, man. I I don't I don't know if I can give them that much of the benefit of the doubt and I know that's a <laughs> weird sentence. I just I just don't think they're they're that incompetent i think there's a huge i think it's probably 60 40 right 60 percent incompetence 40 percent intended that's what i think uh if i had to bet that's what i think it's it's just this huge uh, it's too much to be sheer moron you know uh, uh idiocy um i i because they're just uh, even even if it was just random BS, they get it right at least once or twice. <laughs> you know, like this is willfully shitty. It's, it's, I guess, the best way I could describe it. And I keep coming back to it going, nope, somebody's got to be here pulling levers going, no, we're not going to do the smart thing. No, we're not going to do the thing that's wildly popular and will get us reelected. No, 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 no. We're going to cave to foreign, you know, things or we're going to cave to corporations or we're going to do this because status quo and fuck you. That's I just cannot get that out of my head. And I mm, I, I don't know. That's that's where it lands for me. I could be wrong. I could I totally please present me evidence, you know, that uh, that I am because I want to be. I really don't want to think we live in a society where nothing we do matters in the elite class and the corporations rule us completely and can feed us shit and we thank them for it. You know, I, I just, I hope we don't live in that society. I fear we do. Well, I, I hope we don't look, it goes, it goes back to my favorite quote. I think we use it on just about every podcast and because you're talking about large groups of people and a person is smart, but, yeah, you know, people are dumb, panicking animals. Yeah, I mean, I get it. You it, might not be wrong. So I think what we're, what we're dealing with primarily is mob psychology. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I won't argue with you that maybe there's somebody behind the scenes poking at the mob going, go this way. Go that way. <laughs> but that's really what we're dealing with is mob psychology. And and I, I don't think there's that much. Now, are, are there people who are benefit for, benefiting from it? Yes. Are there people who are looking at the way the winds are going and going, oh, I could ride this one? <laughs> yes. 
But do I think there's a grand plan behind the whole thing? Actually, I don't. I oh, think... I don't think it's a grand plan. I think it's a completely shitty plan. Uh, but I, <laughs> I think it's, I, I think it's a plan. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I think, um, it's absolutely terrible. And I, I, I think it's largely written by corporations and our elite class going. <laughs> We don't have to do anything they ask for because fuck them. And I think that's where it lands. I really do, which which is also why I think our society is fundamentally broken. And I don't think we're capable without a large demonstrate like. All right. Follow me on this. All right. It's it's, it's a small journey. But uh, the the analogy I use is I'll, I'll keep it in the family. Right. I don't understand. Like when my wife is upset with me, I I don't understand when she's just like I, I'm like, is everything okay? She's like, yeah, it's fine. Like that's that should be a trigger to most men. To me, I'm like, well, everything is fine, right? If she's really upset, I need big tears. Okay, I need mad yelling big tears like something like give me a big sign like large shows of emotion here i need you to tell me what the hell is going on okay i don't get subtlety i don't get snark i don't get any of that stuff i just go on as business as usual i need big big shows okay i think without a big show um the 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 system we have doesn't change because nothing short of you know throwing the the wooden shoes in the cogs will stop the machine we have because it's built to run. It's built not to fail. It's built to grind everything under its boot until it can't. And and I, I don't see any way of stopping it right now. Without a full stop, there's no way of changing direction or changing leadership or changing the mechanism. We, we either trash it and start over or keep going like this. At, at this time, I don't see a mechanism to do anything else. Oh, I, uh, to pour a little bit of fuel onto your fire, one of the things that you're seeing at the moment is is that just about all of the centrists of the government are starting to retire. Yeah, <laughs> funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, most of them are saying, you know, well, first of all, you've got one major centrist who's actually not even a centrist. He's he's usually very very far left who is just being demonized for doing something amazingly awful. He's representing his constituents and what they want. <laughs> I know, just it's just awful. <laughs> um, but the extremists have got on both sides, and this is not one particular party or the other. The extremists on both parties have taken over that those who are a little bit more towards the middle in politics are generally looking around at the way the thing is flowing and going, yeah, I ain't running again. Oh yeah. I mean, why would you, it's just a, it's the same reason you're getting a lot of, um, uh, you know, performers and comedians and stuff like that going, yeah, I'm checking out y'all are crazy. And, and that's really kind of what it is. And I'm like, okay, um, what do we have to do here? What do we have to do? And the, the answer is, is drastic action. That's what you have to do. And I don't think anybody's ready for it. I really don't. 
I well, really don't. Actually, unfortunately, those who are ready for it are the ones whose drastic actions are so drastic and so extreme that the other half of the country will be burnt down. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. You're, uh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's I, – I don't – I just don't see any other way through. I really don't. I've been looking. Like, is there a leader who could get us there? Is there – and everybody will say, oh, my politician – your politician is a dick, all right? Oh, yeah. Universally, everyone. I have not seen a great leader – like in times of crisis like this, a lot of times there's a great leader who will arise, and he may not be perfect. He or she may not be perfect. They may not be be a, a, a wonderful human being even, but they're right for the situation that we are in. And history will record the success that they have, not the person that they are. And I just don't see that person right now. I just I, I've been looking. I've been looking, you know, because, uh, you know, they always say, you know, in a time of crisis, the hero will appear or the when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. That's 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 where that's we fiction. are. Yeah, that's where we are. <laughs> Let's see it. You know. Right now, I think we're, you know, we're ripe for one of the two. We're either ripe for um, a, a great leader is going to arise and lead us through the darkness, or we're going to get a megalomaniac who is going to torch the planet. One of those two things is going to happen soon. So, and, and, and I promise you that if you think you have that person right now, you're wrong. Yeah. Because everybody in line at the moment is on one side of that or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just, I, I just don't see it. I don't know. I, it, it's, it's worrying to me, you know, cause I don't know. I mean, I, obviously I'm worried that it's going to happen in my lifetime, which I'm pretty sure it is, but I, you know, I, I worry for all that kind of thing. But more than that, I worry for my kids, you know, what are they going to have to deal with? Because uh, this is going to be pretty. <laughs> uh, I, I per- personally, I think they're going to be dealing with the reverse Handmaiden's Tale. <laughs> Us men are going to be kept around simply for mating purposes, and the women are going to run everything. Uh, it's very, it's very true. I mean, that's that's entirely possible. Uh, <laughs> it's very possible. Um. Just kind of the, which is fine. Hey, look, see if you have a better go at it. Um, I think you're going to find it doesn't work exactly like you think it does, but you know what? Whatever. Well, look, look, look. I mean, let, let's let's be honest. I mean, um, who wants to live in the world according to either of us? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, let, let's put it this way. Unless you're into uh, a complete total or bacchanal, you're not going to want to live in the world according to Sean. Oh, no. And, and unless you're into wall-to-wall Star Wars, you're probably not going to want to live in a world according to me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like you or I are standing here going, listen to us. We have I have a answers. plan. <laughs> My plan is fantastic. No, it's not. Yeah, I don't have it. I mean, like, I, I'll I'll go ahead and tell people I don't have it. I mean, it's not that's not a secret. Okay, it's it's really not. My problem here is I 
nobody else has it either. Like, like we are playing with no safety net, and they're the, the country's at stake, our future's at stake, and nobody seems to be reacting to that. It's just business as usual, even though we have an entire generation. Yeah, and basically what we're doing is is we're letting Mr. Magoo walk across the uh, uh, top of the building and construction and hope he doesn't fall off. Well, you know, I mean, it's uh, that analogy holds at the moment. <laughs> it's a, it's a choice, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's a choice. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I can't really argue with that. I mean, it's it's terrible, but. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I can't, like I said, I, I can't get over that we're not ready. We're just not. And, you know, popular belief is that everything's fine. And I think that we're, we're not, everything is not fine. <laughs> uh, we can see. Take that a step further. Popular belief is everything is fine as long as everybody sees it my way. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. And it's it's getting increasingly more tribal. You cannot argue or 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 even debate with anybody anymore. So well, most of the latest polls say something in the nature of 70 percent of all Americans uh, refuse to give their opinion on anything in public uh, for fear of being completely, totally, not only persecuted by whoever may, may be around, even if they're and their best of friends. that is exactly where the capital elites and the media want you to be. That's exactly where they want you to be. Terrified to say anything. It's exactly where they want you to be. Which, again, is part of the reason why we started this cast. <laughs> Because <laughs> fuck that. Well, I, uh, I not I knew who he was before because of the uh, another cast that you're on, but uh, I didn't know Yepix from a hole in the ground when we first started this. And I'll be honest, though he and I see the world in a very very different light. I really enjoy getting messages from him because it makes me look at things differently. Isn't it funny? You know, I have, uh, as we mentioned, I have a uh, another cast that is uh, very different than this one. And uh, I I meet people who believe things that are wildly different, just 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 a whole uh, deeply held beliefs. And we get along just fine. Isn't that funny? You know, Yepix and I don't have uh, diametrically opposed views, but we differ on a lot of stuff. But I've always delighted in seeing Yepix's emails, whether I agree with him or not. You know, sometimes he's pissed off because uh, I've said something <laughs> or other, uh, and that's fine. Well, as far totally... as he's concerned, everything is your fault. I mean, except for one time where it was mine. But yeah, other than that, and it's that's fine. Your fault. You know, I, it's not that I disagree with him. You know, but uh, people do get tired of me being right on the doom and gloom thing. And I had to stop doing it on the other cast because I'm like, look, this is going to happen, and everybody's like, that's stupid. Why would you even? And then like a year to six months later, it does. And then I do another prediction and another prediction and another prediction, and they're like, stop predicting things. <laughs> Like I'm causing them to happen or something. Uh, I'm like, no, it's just the signs. I can read the signs. You can see the signs. 
but on this cast, it was developed specifically to do that. And one of those things is I don't think that people feel the same way that they used to uh, about, you know, the, the future. And it reflects in every part, every part of the the landscape. And I, well, I childbirth is one of those things. I, I can't remember if I brought this up on the, the last cast when we were talking about the World Happiness Report and the, uh, the, the other Sean's Right segment on that one, which was the way that uh, Generation X just kind of flows straight down the middle. Um, but it's, it's kind of interesting that if you look at it, that Generation X, our generation, is the first generation in U.S. history that did not have the capability of expecting to have a greater um, standard of living than the generation before it. Yeah. Yeah, we and, were the first generation to get screwed. And we and we were surprised by that. The generations coming in are not. <laughs> no, they are very much not. And they're like, yeah, no, we're screwed. It's, yeah, it's, uh, we're, we're screwed. <laughs> you know? And isn't that sad? Isn't it so sad that, well, I th- that I think they that's know? A lot of, that's where a lot of that hope went right down the toilet. Yeah. No, yeah. No, it totally did. And I, I'm just like, okay, well, I mean, I guess that's where we are. I mean, it's, it's, that's where we are. We're, we're behind the eight ball. <laughs> no. In our next topic, I'm actually going to, well, for those of you who haven't come to this cast from Sean's previous cast, uh, Sean is on another podcast that deals with, shall we say, adult entertainment. Mm, um, yes. wholesome addiction if those if for anybody who's interested uh but i'm going to bring up a topic that i'm guessing since i threw the news article on their news feed that they might discuss over there but i think actually has some pertinence over here as well so i'm going because it, it has to do a lot with technology and its impact on younger people so i'm going to bring it up here and see whether or not we can get sean's impression on it which is <laughs> I'm going to bring it up here and see if we can throw Sean the hell under the bus. Of course, isn't that what this whole podcast is about? <laughs> <laughs> no, damn it. <laughs> so, uh a singer that I am no exists but I'm not very familiar with her work other than the fact that she did the uh opening song to the latest Bond movie. A uh, young woman by the name of Billie Eilish was recently interviewed and discussed pornography. And what she said was something that, well, first of all, she talked about how she thought pornography was a disease. It was horrible. It was terrible. It shouldn't exist. No one should ever watch it. And it is just awful, which is what we generally tend to hear from a lot of uh, female celebrities, which so that that part was by no means surprising. The part that made me stop and go, huh, was the part where she said that it's not even the fact that it exists. It's the level of availability that it has that at this day and age, every eight year old with a phone has access to hardcore pornography. And it's really come to a point where it has completely destroyed the idea for young people as to what sex is and is not supposed to be. And I found myself having a hard time arguing with that statement. So, 
coming from someone who does a podcast on adult entertainment, where do you come from on that one? Okay. Well, one, it is true. Uh, there is greater access to content that you would not want children to see on the internet. There absolutely is. And they have access to it. They absolutely do. Both my children, eight years old and 12 years old, have a phone. Uh, they have access, at least, uh, somewhat restricted, but, um, they do have access to the internet. They could go looking for that kind of thing. Um, do I think that is the reason of all our ills and that is the reason for a destroyed society and that is the, the reason for selfless, um, or, or, or the sense of, of, having to discover oneself because you're so you're in such a quandary that life doesn't make sense anymore. No, of course not. That's more the parents fault than it is the porn or the, the YouTube videos they're watching or the TikTok videos they're watching or anything like that. Um, now do I think children should be watching porn? No. However, um, knowing what I know about myself and other people that I've talked to on said other cast. If you want to see naked people, you're going to be able to. Okay. <laughs> um, operator, uh, who is a co-host on our other show has a favorite saying of his and it's life finds a way. And that is absolutely true. Um, porn if, finds a way. <laughs> if somebody wants to see porn, they're going to see it. Okay. You can't stop that. We saw porn. We looked at any naked chick we could find. We could do anything. I mean, it didn't. The accessibility is more, um, more easily available now. Absolutely. Well, I I think what you've touched on is something that I've had a difficult time listening to because it kind of grates against my sense of logic, for lack of a better term. Uh, is the complaint about everything being sexualized. Uh, we are, by our very nature, sexual creatures. Now, don't take that the wrong way. I am not, under any circumstances, going to turn into one of those people who says, and even little kids are sexual creatures. No, that's horrible, awful, disgusting, and those people should be killed. Uh, and I will stand by that statement. Um but the idea that, you know, our, you're in my generation, had no hesitation to look at the Sears catalog and sexualize it because we didn't have access to porn. So the idea that something of that nature isn't going to be found in some fashion or form is a fallacy. Oh, I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. <laughs> the the part that that really gets people upset is because they don't understand how to stop it and the reason they don't understand how to stop it is because you can't you you can't well, but, but you but you touched on something and that is the pure and simple fact that as parents we have an obligation to at least have some concept as to what our children are doing i mean it goes back to it's 11 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? Um, it, it's, it, it's the same thing, and it's always been that way. We, we have an obligation to monitor what goes on to our children's phones. 
Um, my daughter at one point tried changing the password to her Instagram so that my wife couldn't get on it anymore. And I was kind of like, no, no, if you do that, you no longer have Instagram. Uh, somewhere along the line, we as parents need to, and, and, I, and before it seems like I'm making a generalization, there's a lot of people out there, especially after the pandemic made it very, very clear what was going on in schools. A lot of parents have stepped up and went, oh shit, I have kind of fallen down on my job and I need to start paying a little bit more attention. But that's kind of where that comes from, is parents are not necessarily paying attention to what it is that their children are consuming. Oh, clearly. I, I, I It's funny. I'm going to go uh, back to Howard Stern, of all people. Well, if it makes you if it makes you interesting, that was the interviewer who was interviewing this entertainer when she made that statement. And a long time ago, Howard Stern said, you know what? Because they said, how how do you justify having this? The show, you know, children, you know, could hear this and, and uh, the children and and he said the thing I think I, I agree with most of all. And he said, you know what, if you're a responsible parent, you shouldn't have any problem at all with my show. Because you shouldn't they shouldn't be listening to that. And it's your job to monitor what's appropriate and not appropriate for your children, not mine. And that's absolutely true. And I agree with it even – and people used to – I used to say that to people, and they're like, wait till you have kids. I'm like, I have kids now, and I still agree with them. That's – it's your damn problem, you know, as a parent. And, yes, it makes you tear your hair out, and, yes, you have problems that your parents didn't have. And, yes, it, it, it's easier for them to get it and everything, which means you just need to be that much more on it. And it sucks and it's tough and there's problems and everybody tries to tell you that they know what's best for you and, and everything else like that and whatever. So deal with it. You mean I don't know what's best for your kid? Strangely enough, probably not. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know what's I, best I for yours. I just like clarifying your statement from time to time, just making sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, no. <laughs> Uh, but and and I think that's part of the issue. You know, they just they they don't want to actually fix the problem. They want somebody else to fix the problem because they don't know what to do, and it's very frustrating. And I totally get it because it's scary. It well, is. Well, I'm going to drag this into the larger issues that we've been discussing on this cast. Do you think that's part of what we're dealing with? in society in general where they're basically looking at everything that goes on and looking at the government and saying, fix it. Maybe, maybe, um, but you can't, you know, you can't do that. It's not a, a, uh, uh, uh something that can be done with, with a government for you. Right. You have to participate. You have to make the rules. You have to fix it. Well, if even if you look at what some of the governments in Europe have been trying to do to curb child access to pornography, um, none of it's working. <laughs> no, no. Look, I, it, and it's a serious problem. I'm not going to I mean, I, I love to, to poke fun and, and all that, but it's a serious problem. Like, what are we going to do? What's the line? What's what's important enough for us to say here, this is it. 
I don't know if we have it. You know, I, I don't know if, if we, I mean, we have such a, it, let me, let me well, back up there. There's, there's homogenous countries and then there's us. Okay. <laughs> let me rephrase that and take uh, from a, a, uh, a quote from Moneyball. There's homogenous or a, an ad, a, a, a paraphrase from uh, uh, Moneyball. There's homogenous countries and non-homogenous countries, and then there's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us, okay? We don't – we're so large and so varied and mixed, and our cultures are everywhere and everything. You're never going to get us to degree, agree on where that line is. But we're not even really these days having an argument anymore on, the, on where the line is. We've had that argument as a nation before. But right. we're not having that now. We're having no. We're we're burn it, or yeah. everyone should have it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not a matter of of um, reasoned argument at this point. We're not. I don't. As a country, I don't even think we're capable of it. I really don't. I I I shudder to think how. It's going to work for us, I don't know, 20 years from now. Because the people who are making the, the laws and, and setting the tone right now are all going to be dead 20 years from now. All those boomers who are just like, yeah, we're going to suck it up all until we die. Well, they are going to die. They don't think so now, but they are going to kick off eventually, which means there will be a power vacuum. And who's going to step into it? It ain't us. It ain't Gen X. <laughs> it's going to be evil, the millennials. Horrible, terrible millennials. Damn and it. here's where your friend is is absolutely correct. Okay, it's we're not go getters. <laughs> Politically, we're not go getters. We just aren't. We're we are we just we're, we've been taught and we still do keep our freaking heads down. So, what are we to do, right? It's going to be the millennials. They're going to get in there and go, all right, this is how shit works now. And be careful what you do to them because it's it's going to come back on you. Now, they're going to regret some of their decisions, just like the boomers regret some of theirs. Some, not a lot. They, I don't think the boomers have a lot of remorse. I'll, I'll be honest. They don't really give a shit about anybody else. But, them, but still, I, I, I think they're going to make some mistakes. Absolutely. And they're going to go way too authoritarian on the other end. However, it will change. It will snap back. This pendulum, it's going to swing back. And it's going to swing back against the corporations. Now, it's going to hurt, too, uh, because I don't think a lot of the progressive leftists have figured out that people actually do have to earn a living. And living in la-la land is really cool and nice until you need shit, and then you, you, you don't have any. So there's... There's some of that going to come. I totally get it. However, um, that's going to be the generation that pulls us out of this one way or the other. And that's what absolutely terrifies the boomers. Even though they're not going to be here for it, they're like, holy shit, keep the, keep the millennials down. Don't let them do anything. Well, I, I'll tell you what terrifies me. And here comes my paranoid conspiracy theorist person coming, uh, coming out one. And everybody will know exactly what I mean. I see where you're going with this, and I 
I don't disagree with you. I think what worries me is that when it's all said and done, we're all going to be speaking Chinese. Oh, no, the Chinese are having the same problems we have. They're, they're not going to be any better. Uh, it's In fact, it's going to be worse. Um, they're, the, the Chinese built themselves up way too fast. Um, they are attempting to do things that they are not ready to do. They've built 33% of their uh, entire economy on real estate deals that are horrifyingly badly done, just like we did uh, during the financial crisis and, and, and all that. They've done that to themselves as well. Uh, they're going to go into a recession very, very, or, or a depression, a big depression very shortly if they can't bail themselves out. Um, most of the corporations are over China's three red lines, um, which is, you know, like they have extended, they spent too much money, they have too much debt, they can't buy themselves out. They've already passed the, the warning signs, just like we did. They're, they're just 10 years behind us. We were 10 years behind Japan. They're 10 years behind us. So right now it looks great for China. Just wait. <laughs> All right. Just wait. Just give it a minute. It, uh, uh, God, what's the line? I can't remember what movie it's from. It's it, the rock said it. Um, Oh, it was, oh God, I can't believe this. It's fast and furious. Uh, you know, give it a minute. It'll sink in. Right. Uh, I don't feel like I'm under arrest. Do you feel like you're under arrest? Oh no. Give it a minute. It'll sink in. That's, that's China right now. They're they're going to hurt. And the thing with China is they'll never let you know how bad it is because they're China and they don't want you to know. But they're they're not going to rule the world. Don't don't panic. Um, personally, I think it'll be a lot more like idiocracy than it will anything else. But that's just my personal opinion. Well, that'll bring us into our next segment. And if nobody can tell, I'm doing my best to see if I can't organize us a little bit better than I have in the past. <laughs> I don't know if it's working or not, and I'm sure we'll still go off on many a tangent, but here comes their final segment for today. And this is something that I will admit that I am shamelessly stealing from, once again, another podcast that I've listened to. And the thought process behind it was, and it was something I was even asking Sean if we should do a separate podcast on, but we're going to wrap it into this one, which is a little bit of a discussion of pop culture and how it how it either can should or does influence people in the world around us so what we're each going to do is offer some piece of pop culture be it a movie a book music whatever it is that you that you may want and basically kind of present it to the audience and why they should consume it so sean would you like to start no, no, no. I'm not starting this one. You fine, start first. fine. I will start it. I recently went back and rewatched a old, extremely cheesy, well, okay, old by some people's standards, completely cheesy Sylvester Stallone movie known as Demolition Man. Oh, fantastic movie. Oh, it's an, it's an excellent movie. Cheesy, awful, terrible, and yet fantastic. Uh, however, when you look at their idea of what the future will look like, and you look around the world today, uh, <laughs> it's eerie. It's very, very eerie. You have people walking up to each other and not high-fiving each other. They basically get their hands close to each other and then circle them around. 
Or elbow touch, you know. Well, that's what we're doing now. Yeah, elbow touch and circle, you know. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think one of the best lines during one of the action scenes was when Rob Schneider says, we're police officers. We're not meant to deal with this type of violence. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I still don't know how to use the three seashells, uh, so I may be screwed. Uh, you know, uh, the the fact that one food corporation has managed to knock out all the others and become the only restaurant that you can go to, i.e. Taco Bell. I invite you out to dinner and dancing at Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> no, then, after the restaurant wars, all restaurants are Taco Bell. And, and then the idea of, um, yes, uh, smoking, spicy food, uh, high sugar, fats, and everything have been deemed bad for you and therefore illegal. Hence illegal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, that's that's kind of on the money. <laughs> Didn't they say red meat was a carcinogen last year? I mean, seriously, man. And then my very favorite part, which I think we are going to, is, ew, fluid transfer? (laughs) (laughs) The the sexual obsession basically led to every major disease outbreak in the past 70 years. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh (laughs) So, yes, I watched that and I was having just very, very eerie feelings of, holy shit, we're living in the world of Dr. Cocktail. Well, it's it's for sure not a not a uh, far stretch, though, is it? I mean, some of that stuff is less a hell of a lot less funny than it was. Well, and, and then you've got Dennis Leary's character basically screaming, "I want to be walking around with a Playboy naked, wearing eating a, eating a eating a hamburger while with gel covered in Jello." And why? Just because I want to. Damn it! You know, which is funny because he still says that shit today. All right, my favorite, my favorite skit still to this day shut the fuck up is shut the fuck up by dr dennis that's the name of my new book shut the fuck up by dr dennis leary i did not happy i'm getting you happy shut the fuck up next <laughs> you just tell me shut the fuck up no one's ever told me that before it feels like it's better now well isn't um, that what the world happiness report said oh my gosh yeah <laughs> shut the fuck up shut the fuck up uh, Dennis Leary had it nailed in the 90s and nobody knew it. Okay. Nailed. Before he, he was on, you know, uh, in, you know, New York Fire or Chicago Fire or any of that crap. Before he was respectable, he was our savior. All right. <laughs> Back when he said what he meant, that was, that was the man. And I, I, I am my head is off to him because he he fucking nailed it. Honestly, he nailed it, and I um, I can't get over that. <laughs> it is very. We are headed towards the the more namby pamby kind of um, demolition man world. Like one real good bad guy screw us. All. I mean, look at January six. Like a couple of people with Viking horns and paint on. They look like they were a giant tailgate party. To be honest, stormed. The Capitol. They got into Congress, and then Congress said, "Holy crap! This riot shit is real." <laughs> you mean it's not just a political maneuver? Who? No one told us. You know, I mean, I, and then they got all worried and shit. So I, I, I just look at this and go, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" You know. 
<laughs> it's so funny. I mean, I guess it's not, but it, it kind of is. Well, I have one more since I had been planned in doing a much larger segment with this one, um, which is the novel by Robert A. Heinlein. It's an older novel, obviously, since Heinlein died, what, in the 60s? It's an older code, but it still checks out. And the book is called Friday. And it has a lot of very, very interesting parallels that you have to look at the thing and go. And I, and I was just trying to look up the actual publication date. And I saw I may get this wrong, but I think it was published in the 50s. Um, I could be off on that. Either way, it's been several decades. Now, in the book Friday, the main character is an artificial person who is feeling prejudiced because, or feeling prejudiced from the world because she was genetically altered to be better than everybody else. <gasps> oh, no. Yes. Uh, but as she goes through her adventures through the country, I think the part that made me go, holy shit, is when she makes it to California. When she makes it to California, they start discussing California, and you start sitting there going, holy shit, he saw it all coming. First of all, California is uh, the, well, in this point, it was the state of California, not, excuse me, not the state, the country of California, because in this future that uh, Heinlein wrote about, the United States had, in fact, broken up, and they were on their one of many uh, presidential recalls because no president ever stayed in long enough to not be recalled. Yeah, well, yeah, the, the, main, the main character here comes one of the other parts. The main character goes to a bathroom and asks which way for men and which way for women, and the and the restroom attendant asks her whether or not she wants to get arrested because they are egalitarian in California. You sure he didn't write this last year? <laughs> <laughs> you sure he didn't write this last year? Uh and the other part that just made me go, holy shit, was a a big thing about uh, that centered in the entire story about corporations and wars between states and corporations and how there is no way a state can win a war against a corporation because a corporation doesn't have a central place that you can attack. And then throwing in the fact that that when the main character looked at a particular corporation, managed to find out that somewhere along the line, one corporation owned everything. Well, we've got about four corporations who own, maybe five who own everything. Um, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so once again, the fact that this guy was writing this decades ago, um, it, it, I, I think he may have been the 50s Sean. You know, I, I, uh, what you're saying is accurate. I mean, we're headed that way. Um, I, I, it's a good call. <laughs> so, so yes, I, I invite anybody to consume the movie Demolition Ban. De Demolition Man, or the book Friday by Robert Heinlein. 
the other thing that Robert Heinlein was talking about in, in that period of time, decades ago when he wrote this, was the idea of an informational network available to everyone through terminals in their house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not so funny now, is it? <laughs> <laughs> so the book Friday by Robert A. Heinlein and, Ar and oh, wow, I was about to say Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester, well, he, he, in the movie, he was president. Um, but the movie from Sylvester Stallone, Demolition Man. Well, uh, excellent, uh, excellent choices, sir. Uh, my two are, since you did uh, book and movie, I'll do, or uh, movie and then book, I'll do movie and then book as well. Um. I think the movie would have to be Idiocracy is the closest thing I can see to where we're headed, where we disasters already happened. It's already come down. And the civilization that built itself upon the ashes of the current one is fundamentally stupid. And. Intelligence has devolved to the point where it's it's much more lizard brain <laughs> happening and just it's run by idiots and and even in, uh, the the story is is an average man goes to the future and realizes that even though he is completely and totally average in every way in the current society and regime he's the smartest man alive because they're all morons and they all are stupid and angry and idiots and they just don't seem to understand everything. Uh, the future is run brilliantly uh, by a man by Terry. Uh, he's played by Terry Crews, and his name is President Dwayne Alonzo Mountain Dew Camacho, and he is President of the United States and a former former pro wrestler and porn star. Oh God! Have I you ever admit seen? I have not seen this movie, but I am definitely as soon as we're done here going and finding it. It is unbelievably accurate to where we're headed. Okay? I, I, I only have one piece of difficulty with suspension of disbelief on this one. Only one. If we were to take that in today's terms and we were to take someone, say, from example, the Civil War age and bring them to the future under the same concept, even though that per uh, let's even go a step further. Let's take one of the founding fathers to come forward in time. And, and, and obviously we can probably agree that those people are geniuses, uh, especially compared to today. Bring them forward in time and let them look around. And if they open their mouth once, they would be lynched and hung on the on the front porch. Oh, that's what happens to him, too. Oh, God. He goes immediately <laughs> to jail. <laughs> He goes immediately to jail. Okay, so my suspension of disbelief is gone. Because um, he just, he does, like, nothing he says is right. Nothing he does is correct. He can't do anything right. Because he, he goes, and so he goes to jail, and then he checks himself out of jail. Uh, <laughs> and then. <laughs> I have to watch this. But in the middle of it, they give on his on his induction into jail, they give him a, a a test to see how high a security they have to keep him in 
because, you know, if he's too much of an idiot, if he's just licking the walls, he has to get a padded room, right? So they give him a test, and it's stuff like put the shape in the hole, you know? And what letter is this? What sound does a doggy make? You know, like all that kind of stuff. And, and the questions get a little harder, and he's looking around like, this. you can't be serious about this shit. And what the t- test determines when it's submitted off to the government is he is the smartest man alive. Now they have to find him because he's checked himself out of jail um, to solve the world's problems because they have issues here. And the other the, – the Secretary of the Interior, who is a porn star currently – uh, has no idea how to fix things. <laughs> and so President Dwayne Alonzo Mountain Dew Camacho has to come and save the day and find uh, him and and make sure that he knows that everything is riding on him. Okay. I, I have one last piece of suspension of disbelief for you. Okay. I have, thanks to your other podcast, and another one out there by uh, Holly Randall, listened to porn stars speak and they're typically not that stupid of her age and uh, you know in the time she has she is just as smart as the smartest person other than our our hero she's just as smart as anyone else there okay that makes sense yeah it's just that they're all morons (laughs) president mountain dew camacho is a step above the others because he can complete like thoughts and sentences and everything like that. Um, but he does a lot of, of, you know, peck dancing and stuff like that, as Terry Crews tends to do. Uh, but uh, it's, it's fantastic. It literally, you're going to watch this and go, this is not funny. It's like, we're, this is us. This, this is literally where we're headed because what the demolition man forgot to take into account is how stupid social media makes you? Well, uh, social media didn't barely existed at the time that movie came out. Right. Social media didn't exist at all when this came out. However, I think they got it right as far as the level of idiocy that the people just are told what to believe. And uh, look, watch the movie and tell me I'm wrong. That's all I'm saying. I, I will. And I'm going to interrupt before you get to your book, because there's one last piece of Heinlein's book that it just occurred to me has to be thrown in. Going back to, once again, her trip through California. Mm-hmm. And in the book, the, the country of California had decided that people with bachelor's degrees were a certain percentage happier than people without bachelor's degrees. So they retroactively gave any everyone over the age of 18 a bachelor's degree. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Hell yeah. So there's that. Now, okay, that's your movie. That's my movie. Uh, my book is actually uh, from 1992. Uh, it's, uh, it was written by Neil Stevenson, and it's called Snow Crash. It is a fantastic. Have you, have you read it? I have not. But once again, you've given me a movie that I now have to watch. Give me a book I now have to listen to. And for the record, yes, I do listen to my novels and my read. I do do my reading via listening, not reading. I do, too. I, I drive a lot. Um, I, I commute an hour each way to work uh, every day. Uh, so I, I got two hours of captive time. So I, I listen to my books as well. Well, I, I also have another problem, which is, is being um, middle-aged. Uh, so when I generally <laughs> tend to go to try to read, I fall asleep. 
Yeah, that's uh, that definitely inhibits the reading. Um, well, the snow crash takes place in uh, late 20th, 21st century, um, an unspecified number of years uh, past the worldwide economic collapse. Uh, in this case, L.A. is no longer part of the United States. Uh, the federal government has ceded most of its power to organizations and corporations, entrepreneurs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and private vehicles uh, reign supreme. So if you have your own vehicle, you have your way of making money. And uh, mercenary armies uh, basically compete for national defense contracts. Uh, mercenary armies are headed by corporations. Uh, private walk away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they're organized and they're incorporated. Uh, private security uh, basically preserve the CEO peace. Humongous. I mean, come on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, uh, it, it, but uh, private security basically takes the place of cops. So um, you're talking uh, again, private security organizations. Uh, if you want to live well, you live in a gated housing development. And then uh, if you want to get from town to town, which is very rare because you'd, A, a have to be uh, brave enough to drive the highways because the highway companies that maintain the roads don't guarantee your safety, um, you'd have to have a vehicle fast enough to outrun the uh, Lord Humongouses out there who want to take whatever you're delivering. And um, – all that kind of thing. So it's very rare to have people running around uh, kind of outside the cities. And the one of the highest paying and um, most glorified jobs that is well respected is a courier. So you can be a mail courier or, or any kind of courier. Um, our, our hero is a pizza delivery courier who works for the pizza delivery mafia. Oh, God. And uh, it sounds awesome. Now it's uh, it's it's guaranteed under thirty minutes, or your your pizza and half of your life is compensated for. So it's it's like a huge ten thousand dollar payout if your pizza's late, which means your pizza isn't late ever for any reason. Which means that the pizza delivery vehicles have guns on them. Because they don't have time to deal with stress or, you know, ruffians or anything like that. They'll just kill you. And they're perfectly within their rights to do that because they have a run to make. Okay. Anybody who has waited two hours for a Papa John's pizza is listening to this right now going, I don't see the problem here. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was a fantastic idea. I would support the pizza delivery mafia if it guaranteed my ship was here under 30 minutes. Right. So you have uh, two protagonists, Hero, who uh, is a sword sword wielding member of the pizza delivery mafia and YT. And YT is a skateboard courier who uh, uh, attempts, you know, who who delivers uh, packages. Uh, So she's just like a regular delivery courier. And uh, they work for different mafias and all that stuff. But uh, they are who the story follows, and the entirety of all of the United States is run by corporations, and everything's tribal, and everything is basically electronic, and the government means nothing. Corporations run everything, and about the only thing you have is your word, because nothing else you have or own was worth a shit. 
And so if you give your word that you will do something or perform a service, it's worth your life because that's all you're worth is whatever service that you've you've guaranteed. And it is a fascinating book at or, or look at the way human economics would actually work if we weren't guaranteed by a government body, which this isn't like corporations run everything. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is, security, food, delivery, goods, protection, um, banks. Banks aren't run by banks anymore. Banks are run by a guy you trust, and he's normally a mafia guy because the mafia defends your money because it's their money too. And fuck you. I, I was like, yeah, all right. I'd rather give it to Guido than I would Bank of America at this point. He's, he takes lace of a cut. And if anybody messes with my money, he'll go kill them. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I mean, hey, it's better than giving it to Uncle Joe. No kidding. So uh, it, it was it was a fascinating look uh, at uh, like what happens when all your worth is what you know and who you know and what you're willing to do, because that's all you're going to have once society collapses. I guess that's the ultimate meritocracy. That's exactly what it is. It's it's meritocracy without any limits. And what what winds up happening is you realize that's a horrible idea <laughs> like, with no rule. Like I I love a meritocracy with some general basic guidelines. Meritocracy with no rules, that's a bad plan. <laughs> that means it doesn't matter what you do to get ahead. Kill people, kill an entire family. I was going to say, you and I are, you know, as far as just the materials that one would need, are uniquely equipped for that world, though. Oh, we could start it tomorrow, and I got I got a leg up on most of you motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> you do too. I know. <laughs> I just bought a four by four. I am uniquely. <laughs> I got guns, four by four, food, water. I, I got all kinds of stuff. I'm uh, okay, but 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 let's be honest. Considering what you just said, you actually know that in Zombie Land that you would have been the person that Woody Harrelson pulled their hands off the uh, steering wheel of the SUV. Oh yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Afterwards, shooting off all your guns, screaming, "I love rednecks." <laughs> no, that'd be Shannon. Shannon would be the redneck. I'd be, babe, are you sure? Oh, okay. All right. Well, I, I, I don't know. That's, yeah, no, that is, that'd be my wife for sure. Um, well, I am going to throw out a little correction because once again, I was horribly wrong about something. Uh, in the process, <laughs> what? Us? No. Well, in the process of listening to Sean's uh, suggestion of a novel and immediately going to Audible and downloading it, I did look up the book Friday and found out that it was published in 1982. Still decades ago, but at the same time, I was a tad bit off on my thought process. Quite frankly, I thought Heinlein was dead by then. <laughs> Three decades? Yeah, it's a small correction. But at the same time, I knew that one of our listeners was going to catch that and go, Oh my God, you were wrong! Well, yes, I was. Looking at you, Yepix. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it can be my fault. It's fine, dude. Don't worry about it. Uh, so... Do you have anything else for us on this wonderful afternoon? I don't, uh, surprisingly enough. But uh, I wish everybody a uh, – we recorded this pre-Christmas, so uh, if you don't hear it before then, 
Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to all of you. We hope it uh, turns out better than the last two years. So uh, for everybody. And, and for that loyal listener or or two, um, this will be our last podcast of the year. We'll be back after the first of the year. <laughs>